Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome back to the Reformed Dissenters, the show where Reformed Christians dissent against popular ideas of culture by asserting a biblical worldview. My name is Bruce Johnson. I am joined today, as always, by my brother Jacob Johnson. Hello everybody. And today is Literature Wednesday. We are talking about some very cool topics and we are very excited to get into it and hear your thoughts about what we discuss I think today is going to be a slightly less controversial Wednesday episode than last week's was. So, so you know, that'll be nice. Um, anywho, Jake's in the unfortunate position of being in the state of Pennsylvania. I'm in the wonderful state of South Dakota. I swear I'm not bragging when I say that. I'm just hoping that we get some people who are in either of our states. Um, and maybe they want to tell us what states they are in so that we know where our audience is because it's so nice. But part of knowing where our audience is would actually be involved in the process of getting to talk to our audience in person, which you can do by going to the Fight, Laugh, Feast conference in Knoxville, Tennessee on October 6th through the 8th. Go to flfnetwork.com slash Knoxville 2022 to sign up for that conference. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're really excited. I think we're like two weeks out from it and we're getting all of our equipment put together and all that kind of stuff and it's going to be fun. Get our table set up. So it'll be nice. So hopefully we'll get to see you there. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I'll also get to see Jake there. It's been months since I've seen him in person. So, you oh, know, yeah, that's true. That will be cool. Right. <laughs> It'll be the first time we get to see our audience in person and the first time we get to see each other in person in a long time. So that yeah. will be very nice. <laughs> We're both very much looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, so anyways, send us an email at trdshow at protemmail.com. If you have questions or things you want to share with us and share with the show, we would love to read some of your emails on the show sometime, but we can't do that if we haven't received them from you first. It's kind of the way that things work. Also, go to our show website, which is trdshow.net. Check it out. We got all sorts of cool stuff there. Sign up for our newsletter, trdshow.net slash newsletter. You guessed it. That's the link to sign up for our newsletter. Really quick and easy to do so, and I highly recommend it. Um, all right, today we are going through the rest of Chapter 5 in Doug Wilson's book, Mother Kirk, Essays on Church Life. And we're reading through pages 110 to 117. So only seven pages, but there was a lot in those seven pages. That's why we split it up to this week instead of doing it all next week or last week goodness i'm a time traveler and sometimes it's hard to keep track of time as i've traveled through it so that's where the difficulty comes from um okay so (laughs) not just because i can't do words right now that's not totally not why um all right before we get into talking about the lord's supper and all that that entails and trust me doug wilson wrote a lot on these seven pages about the Lord's Supper and communion. Before we get into all that, though, we have to talk about our verse of the week, and I did my fair share of talking on Monday. So now it's Jake's turn, and we're going to pass it over to him to do just that. Take it away. All righty, and our verse this week is Psalms 119, verse 18 through 20, which says, Open my eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. I am a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. And again, that's Psalms 119, verse 18 through 20. 
Alright, and to uh, break this verse down, I want to start out by looking at that uh, word hide. Now, that word hide, right, also refers back to Isaiah uh, 6, verses 8 through 11, which says, And he said, Go, and say to this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull, and their eyes, ears, sorry, heavy, and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. So, this is referring to, right, what happened to, to Pharaoh, right? Um, well, no, this is, this is like what happened to Pharaoh, right, in that God hardened his heart. Right, and and kind of like to kind of preempt the people who say, "Oh no, but that would mean God is God is not just or God is not uh, uh, fair with people." To which I want to go to a passage found in Romans nine, verse fourteen, which says, "What shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part?" By no means, for he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exhortation, but on God who has, who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, For this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills, right? So this is saying, and, and what, what David is saying in this is that he doesn't want God to do that to him. He doesn't want God to harden his heart and harden uh, him so that he cannot see what his commandments are. He's saying, hide not your commandments from me. Hmm. Yeah. Excellent so breakdown. We, we we should hope that God doesn't do that for us either. Yes. We want yes. to know what his commandments are. We want to know what his laws and rulings are. Yeah, which is kind of, you know, this was essentially a prayer from David to God saying, you know, don't don't fog my mind. Don't close me off from the the, the riches of your wisdom. Open my eyes. Give me eyes to see and ears to hear, unlike that passage that you mentioned in Isaiah, unlike those people. It's the opposite prayer from that. So yeah, yeah, great deep dive into some of that, some of that stuff. Thanks. Uh, thanks for bringing that up, Jake. Appreciate it. Um, all right. With that, let's get into our literature of the month. And um, yeah, pages 110 through 117. There's so much content here. You know, again, we're doing a lot of preempting today, but preempt another question. Um, and I want to preempt the question of, well, why spend a whole episode just on the Lord's Supper? And Doug Wilson kind of answers this question himself in uh, this chapter. On page 110, he says, the elements of the Lord's Supper are bread and wine. <clears throat> Excuse me. Our purpose always is to remember that he has invited us to his supper and we are to study to determine how he has set the table. We are also to study what manners are appropriate whenever we sit down at his table. How does he want us to treat his other guests? End quote. 
So this is why we're spending a whole episode just on the Lord's Supper. I mean, last week we touched on the Lord's Supper a little bit when we talked about the other sacrament, sacrament of baptism. Now we're going to spend a whole episode talking about the Lord's Supper because this is the Lord's Supper. This is God's Supper. It's his table. We are sitting at it and we need to know how the table has been set, how we're supposed to act, how we're supposed to treat the people around us. There's a lot involved. And if it's something that God ordained, God created and instituted, we should understand exactly what's involved there, especially if we celebrate it every Sunday, which we're going to be discussing uh, nearer the end of this episode. So page 113, Doug Wilson kind of went into some more detail. He said, no thinking Christian approaches the sacrament flippantly or casually. The Corinthians did not discern the Lord's body from uh, in one another, and consequently, Paul says their meetings did more harm than good, end quote. And we can read a lot more in that passage about all the different ways that it was, it resulted in more harm than good. There were so many different repercussions for that. But as we're going to talk more about the celebratory nature of this meal, the benefits of doing the Lord's Supper right are incredible. And what we actually gain from doing the Lord's Supper the way that he's told us to do it. So one thing that happens a lot in modern evangelical circles, um, Catholic, Roman Catholic circles, uh, Orthodox uh, circles, Presbyterian circles, a lot of people will abstain from the Lord's Supper very frequently because of what Doug Wilson calls morbid introspection. They have determined themselves to be unworthy for a whole host of reasons, whatever, and they now abstain and they they don't receive the Lord's Supper. But Doug Wilson says that that is actually something that should only happen once in a blue moon. It's a very rare thing because we should be humbling ourselves, but this is not a table that's meant for people who are healthy. I mean, Christ himself said, I didn't come for the healthy, I came for the sick, right? He came for the people who were full of sin to, to, to pull them back from that. But we approach the table unworthily when we approach it thinking, we're perfect. Great, I've earned this. Now I can come to the table. It's like, that's when you're unworthy. So um, preparing for the table and not shrinking back from it is a really interesting topic to study. On page 113, Doug Wilson said, if a man is coming to the table with a bad attitude, then he should not hold back from partaking. Rather, he should come confessing the attitude. But what if he remembers his brother has something against him? Matthew 5, 23. The passage is talking about presenting a gift and not about receiving this gift from the Lord, end quote. So Doug Wilson goes into so much more detail on this on page 113. But, you know, one part of that quote is that this is a gift from the Lord. This table, this celebration, this feast is a gift from our Savior and King. And we should see it that way. We shouldn't see it as, oh, man, I have to earn my way to the table today. Oh, think about all the bad things I did. He says uh, he has a devotional that I'm going through that is just phenomenal. So it's called, so come and welcome to Jesus Christ. Um, and he says, get all that out of the way before the, before the supper. If you're coming to communion and you still have things you didn't confess, you didn't repent of, then you, that's a problem. You should have done that earlier in the service. 
Um, and that's something you should have done maybe before you came to church. Get that out of the way. This is a celebration feast. Page 114, Doug Wilson said, Preparation includes our children who are here with us. They sing the psalms and hymns. They say amen to the prayers. They listen to the sermons. They also ought to partake of the supper with us in faith, end quote. And this is a really interesting perspective. Jake, I know you've been doing a lot of research and study on that. Pado communion is the technical theological term for it. I wouldn't um, say research and study, but... Okay, um, well, you've been listening heard, to sermons and stuff, right? Well, I've listened to a debate, debate. that Doug Wilson And James, yeah, James White, I think, was the, on the yeah, other. Yeah. yeah. And he bring, I, I find it interesting. Last week, we were talking about Pado uh, baptism. Yep. Now we're talking about Pado communion. <laughs> but, um, it's making everybody mad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But... um. I think this is this is very interesting and uh, very cool. I I agree with Pedo Communion. Ever since that debate, I agree with Pedo Communion. Hmm. But um, I do think it is a very interesting issue, yeah. especially thinking about the children and their growth in the faith. Yep. That not letting them partake until they get to a certain age is actually hindering children from mm. growing in the faith. Yeah, yeah. And so, but again, I I haven't done me much research on that. I know yeah. myself, I have changed my mindset on that. But I would suggest our audience do a little bit of research on that. And especially look up that debate by Doug Wilson and James White on Pedo Communion. You yeah. should be able to find it on Canon Plus. Um, you might be able to find it on YouTube. I'm not sure of that. Uh, they probably would take it off of YouTube for some reason. I don't know. It's Doug Wilson. <laughs> so they immediately take it off of YouTube if Doug Wilson's involved. Um, <laughs> but, but um, yeah, certainly go look at Pedo Communion and look it up. Uh, see for yourself what you think about it. But I definitely, myself, I, I agree with Pedo Communion. Yeah, I mean, I I'm still coming to terms with it and trying to understand it as well. I, I think it makes more sense than not. Um, I don't know that I'm all in yet, but I'm I'm close. <laughs> I'm closer than I was to it a year ago. And I, I think it does make a lot of sense. Um, and I'd love to study it some more. Um, but Doug Wilson definitely believes it. And that's what he does at his church. And that's what he has written in his book. So if you'd like to find more information about that, page 114 in his book is where he has that. So definitely worth, like Jake said, researching more and digging into that in a little more depth. So, um, okay, cool. So I want to move on to my next section, which is how the two sacraments go together. And this is a really short, I just have one quote for this, but I think it's, it's important um, to understand the order of operations, as it were. Um, this is like the, the PEMDAS for uh, sacraments in the church. <laughs> what if our audience doesn't know what PEMDAS is? Oh, um, it's like parentheses, exponents, multiplication. It's, it's, I'm sorry. It's, it's an order. So we're basically yeah. saying an order in like step by step. Like, right. What's right. the order the things have yeah, to go in? Exactly. Yeah, it's it's a, I think it's like a pre-algebra term. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, Okay, so okay, so so how the how the two sacraments go together. So page one fourteen, Doug Wilson said, "Baptism is the ordinance or sacrament of initiation into the visible body, and the supper is the ordinance of nourishment within that body. 
This means that no one should be taking the Lord's Supper unless he has been baptized. Someone who has not come through the door should not be sitting down at the table, end quote. So that was fascinating to me. And what is even more fascinating is that plays directly into Pedo communion. It's like, well, mm -hmm. there's Pedo communion. There has to be Pedo baptism as well. So I think that or that's Or other way around, I, I don't see any... Um credo baptist person ever believing believing pedo baptism yes yeah, fair pedo communion sorry yeah that's but, fair actually and especially especially because of this you know right. they would say well you know they're not baptized until like they're like four or five actually i don't think the they baptize until... them until they're in their james white years. james white was saying that he was baptized at like four and five okay um, so they and were, he said multiple people, multiple children in his church have been baptized at that age as well. They made a confession of faith when they were four or five. That's interesting. Yeah. Don't you also have to have like a story of conversion or something like that? A little, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Wow. I, again, I'm, I'm unfamiliar not, I'm with the Baptist faith, so I'm sorry. But, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. You know, yeah. Mis misnomering. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry if, if we got the Baptist faith wrong. I apologize. We're not. We're presbyterians trying to even understand though, some of this even though both of we us both go to baptist, baptist churches right churches. now <laughs> oh, yes yeah. <laughs> yep yeah it's it's kind of funny so um well I, I have three sections left and we have 10 minutes to get through them so let's go ahead and do that yeah i need this episode but go by pretty quickly there's so much here <laughs> so my first out of the three first is the joy and power of this table We've been talking this whole time about it being a celebration feast. This underscores this perfectly. Page 115, Doug Wilson said, We are eating and drinking at his table, and so we should notice that Jesus gave the twelve their authority in the kingdom in the context of the first communion meal. This, uh, end quote. This was a fascinating, fascinating concept and principle to me that Christ gave the twelve their authority in the context, their authority in the kingdom within the context of the supper. And there's so much more on page 115. If you don't have the book, get the book, at least just to read through page 115, because there's so much there that we just don't have time to get to. Absolutely fascinating about the authority that the, that the communion meal that the Lord's Supper gives us with us renewing our covenant with God, the authority and responsibility that comes with that is just incredible. Um, page 115, a little further down, uh, Doug Wilson said, This celebratory meal is the place where we as Christians proclaim the Lord's death. What is the meaning of his death? His death means dominion. His death was how the conquering servant came into his inheritance. We proclaim his death, not with saddened funeral looks, <laughs> but while seated on a royal dais, or dais, however you want to pronounce that. Um, dais? Maybe it's a dais. Royal, I say dais. I think that's how you say it. In the presence of the one who conquered everything, end quote. So this is us entering into the covenant with God, renewing that covenant. And therefore, also entering into the dominion mandate that he's given to us. And Christ says later, I think it's in Matthew, the meek will inherit the earth. So many verses that talk about us having dominion, inheriting the earth, um, taking dominion over this world. 
we enter into that covenant to do that every time we have communion. Um, last quote. Nope. I have a few other quotes from page 115. <laughs> there was so much there. But here's one more. He said, when we eat and drink at his table with a servant's heart, we are not attending a gloomy memorial. We are conquering the world through sitting down in peace with God. I'm sorry, sitting down in the peace of God. No more will a man learn war. We are seated in spiritual peace, end quote. And that's another, I'd love to talk about this a little bit in another episode sometime. But, you know, we get accused of wanting to, you know, go on a crusade type war against everyone who doesn't believe the way we do, which couldn't be farther from the truth because our weapons are not swords. Our weapons are not physical they're so much more powerful than that. They have the power to dismantle strongholds through the power of Christ. We are supposed to dismantle every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. We do that not with physical swords and weapons, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. So what he's talking about here, this is one of the ways we do that. One of the ways we dismantle the lofty opinions raised against the knowledge of God is through communion is through renewing our covenant with him every Sunday after church at his supper. That's what this does, which when you put it in that context, is so much more powerful and potent than we think of it usually being. So I just said every Sunday. Why did I say every Sunday? Because Doug Wilson says every Sunday, which is a really interesting idea. Um, and uh, it's something to consider. And so, you know, he had it in this chapter. So I figured, hey, let's let's chat about it. Weekly communion. Before I get to that, though, Jake, we have about eight minutes. Is there anything you wanted to say really quickly before I talked about weekly communion? I think this is a point we want to discuss. So okay. just go through this and we can have a discussion cool. after that. Yeah, that sounds great. Sounds great. Um, yeah, I think this is another thing like Pado communion where it makes sense to me. I just mm -hmm. haven't done a ton of study on it so right. i probably would believe it i just haven't studied it uh, enough to say confidently yes this is absolutely what i believe but i think it makes a lot of sense so let's discuss it you know why not um page 115 doug wilson said we know that we are to observe the lord's day but how often daily weekly monthly quarterly or annually when we come to this question, we should note initially that virtually no biblical, biblical case can be made for our most common practices, monthly and quarterly. And that was fascinating to me. He goes into so much more detail on this. So check out pages 115 and 116 for this. Um, but down on 116, he says annual communion could be defended on the basis of the Lord's Supper being established in the context of Passover, which was an annual festival. Jesus said of this cup speaking of the cup of blessing in the Passover meal. While it is possible that his meaning included this application, subsequent apostolic practice shows that they drank from that cup of blessing far more frequently than this, end quote. So when you read through the book of Acts, when you look at what the apostles did, they celebrated it weekly, which is fascinating. They came together to break bread weekly. Um, here we go. I just got ahead of myself. My next quote, page 116, Doug Wilson quoted Acts 20, verse 7, which says, And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached to them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. Wow, that's a long sermon. So none of you can get upset with an hour-long sermon. 
They gathered together on the Lord's Day, and they did so for the purpose of breaking bread, end quote. So, that is fascinating. That there's historic and traditional... Um, um, what's the word? The word escapes me, right? Precedent. There it is. For celebrating it annually. But then there's also seems to be precedent for celebrating it weekly which is you know really fascinating because that's what the apostles did on page 116 a little further down doug wilson said it is therefore fair to say that weekly communion while not mandatory in any absolute sense is biblically normative we have as much evidence for weekly communion on the lord's day for example as we have for meeting on the lord's day to do anything else end quote and he goes on to say you know hey why don't why not if, if we have evidence to do that, why wouldn't we do it? It doesn't make a lot of sense not to do it. Um, if you understand mm. the context of what we just talked about, the joy and power of this table, the renewing of the covenant with God, the joy and, and celebration that we should have with fellow believers, there's so much more involved in this. I'm paraphrasing and really, you know, thousand foot view of this thing. But you consider all the blessings of this. Why? wouldn't we if there's already precedent for us to do it weekly why not all right we got five minutes left i have a quick wrap-up thing but before we do jake anything you'd like to add um you said you wanted to discuss it a little bit yeah i find it very interesting that he's he's saying that it's it's not mandatory you know this is not a hard fast rule that we have to follow this but it's like biblically normative yeah this is something that was normal back then yeah this isn't they, something they you split did. the church over, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. But. Certainly, certainly not. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think in a lot of ways, actually, it's very similar to singing the Psalms. It's what we get, the theological depth we get from singing the Psalms, um, is comparative to this. Celebrating communion weekly and understanding what it is we're celebrating. Understanding the communion and the covenant we're having with God and renewing with God. I think I think with singing psalms, it's a little bit more, even so, it's a little bit more hard and fast that you kind of want to do this because of the verse that, sing, that says, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual song, songs. Yeah. Um, and there are telling you to do that. varying opinions on that mm-hmm. as well. But sure. Yeah, yeah, for and sure. I think there's a little bit more of a, of a, a push for that than there is here, whereas there's no no verses that... Yeah, he do. goes on to talk about um, actually how Christ said, as often as you do this, meaning as often as you come together to break bread, which could mean weekly, because we come together to break bread as a church weekly. We come together in one place. So there could be, he was saying, there could be biblical precedent for Christ saying, do this weekly. So again... It could be said, I think, for both. But yeah, there, and again, there's a lot more in the chapter on that topic. So, but good, good distinction. I think that was well said. Cool. Okay. Well, let me wrap up with one final quote. Um, and this quote entails, oh my goodness, there was, this is probably, there's there's two pages worth of, of stuff. He had this at the end of the chapter and Wow. This was something I actually, I hadn't heard before 
phrased quite this way. And I'm definitely not going to cover everything he talked about. So you should definitely look this up, page 117. Um, but his point was that communion is the seal of everything that came before. So we have our worship service where we greet each other. We have a, um, you know, singing psalms to God. We hear the sermon we learn from his word. We sing praises to him. You know, all these different things we do in the service. And then finally at the end, we seal it with communion. We've worshipped this God. We've learned about our creator, our savior, our king, our priest. We've learned all about him. And now we have a feast with him. Now we come to his supper. Um, and we seal everything we just did. So page 117, Doug Wilson said, In the prayers, psalms, and sermons of a worship service, the terms of the covenant are praised, noted, explained, and acknowledged. In the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, the covenant is sealed. And because this sacrament, unlike baptism, is repetitive, each sealing is a covenant renewal, end quote. So that to me was just a fascinating topic and there's so, so much there. So if you don't have the book already, get the book. Check out page 117. Such great content in there. All right, we have a couple seconds left. Anything you want to add, Jake, before we wrap up? Nope. Sweet. All right, short and sweet. I like it. Thank you all so, so much for listening or watching us today. We appreciate it. trdshow.net is our show website. Check it out. Also, send us an email, trdshow at protonmail.com. Sign up for our newsletter. You know where that link is. It's on our website. And thanks so much for watching, and we'll see you on the Friday episode. You do not want to miss this episode. And remember, everyone, in all that you do, do it as unto the Lord.